Chapter Fourteen of Mystery at Number Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mystery at Number Six by Augusta Huell Seaman. Chapter Fourteen, The Pursuit. When Ike had disappeared, Sidney turned to Mister Treadwell with a gasp of admiration. "You sure are a wonder," he cried. You hit him just right. That rascal has been pestering the life out of me lately, and I honestly didn't know how to get rid of him. I did pump him quite successfully those first two times he mentioned, but he's been making me pay up for it since, and I admit I didn't give him credit for seeing through me like that. Oh, I know his kind," said Mr. Treadwell calmly. "I've had to deal with it too often to be mistaken. A little cleverness, but mostly bluff. That's his variety." But it was just pure luck that I should have happened to have that little misdemeanor on him. It hit him just right, and I think we're quite safe from him now. I've heard of him a number of times, and I imagine it's through his gossiping around the village that I got my information about Jerry and his whereabouts. But I never came in contact with the man before. Well, you've rid me of a regular old man of the seas," sighed Sidney as they got into the Ford and drove away. They had no sooner reached the hotel than Bernice hurried out to meet them. And drew Sidney aside with an air of obvious mystery. What now? He demanded, perceiving that she was boiling over with the desire to impart some news. Oh, Sid, you'll never guess. I've struck a clue all by myself. Good work. Let's hear what it is. If it's anything worth while, we ought to tell Mister Treadwell. Worth while, indeed," sniffed Bernice. It's about the worthwhilest thing we've found out yet. I've a great mind not to tell you. You're so snippy. Oh, come off," laughed Sidney. You know what I mean. Goodness knows we're in need of some clue, anything to give us a start. Well, here's how it happened. Mother needed quite a number of little things for the trip, things you can't get in this town. So I took the bus over to Bartow to do a little shopping for her. While I was strolling about the town, waiting for the time for the next bus back, I happened to pass the place where the bus down to Arcadia starts. There was a big crowd getting in, and I had got almost by when, what do you think? She paused exasperatingly. If you don't go on double quick, I'll, 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 threatened Sidney vaguely but menacingly. All right, all right. Well, I saw someone getting into that bus who looked strangely familiar. I could only see her back, and she had a hat on, but something about her made me just stop short and stare. Just before she got inside, she turned around to free her skirt that had got caught on a nail or something, and it was the cracker woman. This time, Bernice was thoroughly satisfied with the effect of her disclosure. Sidney grabbed her by the elbows and demanded excitedly, "What? Not the Cracker Woman? You can't mean it." Most assuredly, the Cracker Woman mimicked Bernice. No other. I couldn't mistake her, even though I only saw her once. She was the last one in, and the bus started right off, so I had no chance to speak to her. But that's my harrowing tale. Golly! Ejaculated Sidney. Where's Mister Treadwell? And he was off before Bernice could get in another word. This sudden and very fortunate discovery changed the entire outlook of their plans. If Bernice were not mistaken, and she declared she could not be, their wisest course was to pursue the Cracker Woman and not Jerry. So Mister Treadwell decided. Why there was this strange split in the fleeing party, no one could guess. But since Jerry's wife had, in that one interview the cousins had had with her, been the most inclined to communicativeness. Common sense pointed out that she was the one to pursue. Moreover, her route they could trace with a fair amount of accuracy. 
"'There's not a moment to be lost,' cried Mr. Treadwell. "'My car is ready now. I've just been to the garage and found they had finished with it ahead of time. Let's get dinner as quickly as possible and make tracks for Arcadia. We won't wait till tomorrow to start. Can you get your mother to fall in with this change of plans, Bernice?' "'Oh, I'm sure of it. Mother is really all ready now. I'll run up and close our grips right away.' They had no definite plan as to just how they were going to trace Jerry's wife when they did get to Arcadia, but as they went bowling along in Mr. Treadwell's high-powered car that afternoon, he gradually worked out his scheme. "'My idea is to overtake the bus before it reaches Arcadia, if possible,' he confided to Sidney, who was sitting beside him. "'Of course it has had a big start on us, but it has to stop in all the towns in between, and we may be able to catch up with it. I do wonder what this woman's object was in coming over this way.' The only reason I can think of is that someone said she came originally from down Fort Myers way, so perhaps she suddenly made up her mind to go back there for a time, replied Sidney. Mr. Treadwell agreed that this could be about the only object in the unexpected move on her part. They drove on at what seemed to Bernice's mother a reckless pace, and she more than once turned to her daughter to remark that she had not supposed Mr. Treadwell to be inclined to break the speed laws. Bernice, however, who was holding her breath and watching the road ahead with fixed attention, declared on her part they did not seem to be going half fast enough. Town after town they drove through, always stopping to inquire if and how long before the Arcadia bus had passed that way. One other surmise troubled the three, and that was whether the object of their pursuit had got out at any one of these intermediate towns. But as Mr. Treadwell confided to Sidney, if she had, the only way to find out was to overtake the bus before it got to Arcadia, follow it into that town, and observe whether she was among the passengers. If she was not, they would know that she had left it earlier in the journey, and they would have to trace her back. The golden afternoon sunlight at last began to wane. At Wachula, they learned, the bus had passed through three-quarters of an hour before, which was a decided gain on the time of the town before. On they sped, the big motor purring rhythmically, the speedometer registering forty to fifty miles without intermission, except when they slowed for some sharp curve or passed another car on a narrow bit of road. At Gardner they were but twenty minutes behind the bus, and, as Mr. Treadwell remarked, were bound to catch up with it before it got to Brownville, when there was an ominous veering of the car to the side of the road. Mr. Treadwell applied the brake and brought it to a stop, and, to the excited inquiries of Bernice from the back, Sidney had only one bitter comment. Flat tire! It took twenty minutes to change to one of the spares, and was, as Sidney remarked, a record for such a heavy car and a rear tire at that. But he whispered to Bernice that they had now probably lost the chance of getting in ahead of the bus, as they were a good forty minutes behind it, and likewise their best opportunity of tracing Jerry's wife, as they could not then be certain whether she had got off at one of the intermediate towns, or gone on by the next bus to Fort Myers. It was an exasperating accident. At length all was in readiness once more, and they made another start. But the hope that had been so near fruition was now abandoned, and the best they could expect was to reach Arcadia before the time for a bus to leave for Punta Gorda and Fort Myers. If Jerry's wife was intending to go to the latter place, she might have to wait about until bus time, and so be in evidence. But it was rather a forlorn hope. Suddenly, at a turn in the road, Sidney looked ahead and shouted, "'What's that?' It was indeed a queer affair that they were approaching. A crowd of people appeared to be standing about in the road, and over at the side, keeled into a ditch, was some great bulky object, whose form at first could not be distinguished from the car. But as they got nearer, Sidney gave an astonished whoop. "'The Arcadia bus!' 
She's gone over into the ditch. Hope no one's hurt. It was a curious scene that they arrived at a few minutes later. The big bus had keeled over in some incomprehensible fashion, and lay with her side in a deep ditch. No one was hurt, miraculously, except the driver who had a sprained wrist. He tried to explain excitedly how he had done his best to pass a car that insisted on crowding him badly, and his right wheel slid into the ditch before he could turn out. How the passengers had managed to crawl out afterward was a mystery no one tried to explain. But there they stood about, surveying the results with dreary patience and waiting for a relief bus which was to come from Arcadia presently. The accident had occurred in the midst of a wooded stretch, wild and uninhabited, with soup, as Sidney called the boggy land, on both sides in the dense undergrowth. Suddenly Sidney, who had been searching through the groups of passengers with a keen eye, turned to Mr. Treadwell and whispered, "'Over there, to your left, sitting on a log. Look!' Mr. Treadwell did as he was directed, and beheld the object of their long chase, the cracker woman, Jerry's wife. End of chapter 14